Okay, then let's start with a word of prayer as, um, as always. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you. We thank you for the uh, privilege to fellowship together to word and to be blessed by you. We acknowledge that you are our God and that you love us. We ask tonight that you grant us insight into your word. Uh, Holy Spirit, we ask that you grant unto us the experience of the truth, that our hearts will be nourished by truth, and we are enabled and empowered to live out your word in the name of Jesus Christ. We pray for everyone who hasn't joined us yet. We ask that you remind them by your spirit and send your angels to make it possible for them to join us this moment in the name of Jesus. And for everyone who listens to this teaching afterwards, we ask, Lord, that there be insight, there be an administration of your grace in their hearts. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. Amen. Okay, so um, we are continuing uh, the topic we started two weeks ago, which is spiritual growth, all right? Um, and just, you know, by way of very quick recap, for those of us that weren't um, around last week, we started off by, or last two weeks, sorry, we started off by um, establishing that God wants us to grow, that God's desire, just like the desire of every parent, is for us to grow. Um, and not for us to remain in the same spot spiritually. You know, um, Galatians chapter 4 tells us that a child, as long a hair, as long as the child is no different from the servant, but is put, put under tutors, all right, um, until the time comes, until the time of maturity comes. And what that means, we establish is that in terms of experience on the earth, uh, an immature believer would not be any different from a from an unbeliever because they haven't grown, okay? I will establish that with respect to their spiritual status, they are different, but with respect to their um, experience on earth, there wouldn't be any difference, okay? And then we went on to, uh, to see that God expects us to grow. We read Hebrews chapter five. Um, we're going to read that again today, by the way, but we read that and we also established last week that when there is conflict between two kingdoms, it is the immature ones that are that are victims. And you know, for, what amazed me was that we had this conversation on a Tuesday, and then the following Sunday in church, um, my pastor pretty much said the same thing, all right, but using other scriptures to explain it. Uh, so when two kingdoms are fighting, when the kingdom of God is at war with the kingdom of, of darkness, it is the babies in the kingdom of God that suffer it the most. Um, and we looked at that last two weeks. Um, and then finally, we saw three things that characterizes you know, maturity. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 11, he says, when I was a child, I spoke as a child, I saw as a child, and I reasoned as a child. So that was what we did uh, last two weeks, okay? That was what we did last two weeks. All right. But today, I want to take these thoughts further, and, um, and I trust that God will help us. So let's start with Hebrews chapter 5, verse 14. That is our beginning scripture okay hebrews chapter 5 verse verse 14 so we read this last week but i want us to start off from here uh this week while you're turning there just give me a second let me grab some water um hebrews chapter 5 and verse 14 okay All right, Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 14. Uh, here's what the Bible says. Okay, for context, let's start from verse 12, just for context. For when, the, for when for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God. In essence, even though by now you're supposed to be teachers, you still need somebody to even teach you, all right? So the person who ought to be a teacher is still in school at this point. That's, that's what the Bible is saying. It says, um, the first principles of oracles of God, and have become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. So you are those that need milk. And this shows us that there's a differentiation between those who need milk and those who need strong meat. And then it goes on verse 13, for everyone that uses milk, 
is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. Um, the Bible says that anybody that is still consuming milk, this person is unskillful in the word of righteousness. And I, I explained a little bit of what this means last two weeks. So please, um, I recommend you get the recording. But look at verse 14. It says, but strong meat belongs to them that are full of age. So this is where I want us to begin to zoom in from. That strong meat, okay, and what there's such a thing the Bible refers to as strong meat. And just drawing from a human uh, experience, you can see that babies don't typically take things that are solid. Um, when a baby is born for the first several months, all the baby is taking is milk, okay, nothing solid. And even when the baby begins to be able to consume some form of solid food, um, it, it first begins with things that are mashed, you know, things that are really soft. Um, and then the, the baby advances to, you know, tougher things. So the Bible is saying also that there's such a categorization in our spiritual experience with respect to our spiritual growth, that there are some people that can handle milk, they can only handle milk, meaning things that have, have been broken down to the most easily digestible formats. There is no more, um, a, no more exercise on their path to break those things further down. And that's why you can go <clears throat> to a meeting and then the man of God is just laying things very, very simple. But then you go for another kind of meeting, maybe a believer's meeting or a, a pastor's meeting, and the man of God is not, he doesn't sound as simple as he sounded maybe during Sunday service or, or you know, whatever service that was. Um, the reason is because he's serving milk to some uh, category of people while he's serving strong meat to other category of people. So there's such a classification, all right? And then it, it says that strong meat, however, belongs to those who are of age. And that means those who are mature, okay? And who are those that are mature? Look at the description. It says, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So the way, one of the ways the Bible describes mature Christians is that these people have exercised their senses by reason of use, by reason of practice, they have trained their senses to be able to discern both good and evil. And so I want us to start from this and just break this down um, further to see what the Bible is saying, you know, concerning maturity as, a be as believers. The Bible says that strong meat belongs to those who are mature. And then it says, who by reason of use have exercised their senses to discern. So one of the ways we uh, identify mature believers is by the extent and precision of their discernment. That means the ability to discern things accurately is one of the proofs that a believer is mature. Oh, and by the way, when you read all through scripture, it interests you to see that nowhere does the Bible um, signify maturity by a demonstration of gifts of the Spirit. Of course, demonstration of the gifts of the Spirit is super important, super, super important. Demonstrating the miraculous power of God is an essential tool in our evangelism and our lives as Christians, but nowhere would you see that the Bible says you are mature because you can cast out demons, or you are mature because you can prophesy and speak in tongues and see visions. Nowhere would you see that. Rather, you see things that like maturity having to do with the development of our um, our character and the likeness of our, uh, our person to that of Christ, you see um, maturity having to, to do with and be, be represented by um, ability to discern accurately. And that's what the path I want us to take today. Okay, and you, 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 it's interesting to see where it would land. So it says those who are mature have their senses exercised by reason of practice. I want to start off by saying that your senses cannot be exercise or cannot be perfected or fine-tuned except by practice, except by exercising it frequently, okay? Uh, meaning that just like your muscle, the person who wants to build um, six packs or build, you know, their biceps and, and everything, their core and their whatever part muscles you, you want to build, everybody knows that if you want to build your muscle, then you must exercise it. And so people go to the gym, people work out at home, people, you know, carry out various exercises, 
just so that they can develop a particular part of their body or their entire body. If you want to run long distance you know, races or marathons, you have to exercise yourself so that your lungs, your, your, your breath control, your uh, muscles are able to support that long distance race you want to embark on. Everybody knows this, that to be good at a particular thing, you must exercise yourself in it. And so it's the same way the Bible is letting us know that for you to be, for your senses to be sharpened, you must train yourself. You must exercise yourself, excuse me. You must exercise yourself um, so that your muscles are, are strengthened or your senses are strengthened. But when, when what does it mean when he says they have exercised their senses to descend? Because the purpose of the senses is to descend, all right? Um, and here, discernment means the ability to see things the way God sees things. The ability to judge a matter the same way God would judge it. That is what discernment is. When someone descends a situation or descends a person, you are estimating that situation or that person from the lens of God, not from the lens of the flesh. Okay, so someone, for instance, may look at, um, may look at, may get a job offer and from the job offer, the salary looks really good. The work conditions look good. The perks they are offering you looks fantastic. And on face value, this is the everybody's dream. This is the kind of job people, people are dreaming for. And if they could pay for it, they would pay for it. But when you decide to go into you know, the realm of the spirit and look at things from God's perspective, you will see that that job is not the job that is for you because you are now discerning that job Okay, and you're looking at it from God's perspective. So that's what discernment means. So when the Bible says that these people have been able to sharpen their senses through practice to be able to discern good and evil, what it means is that part of the um, testimonies of maturity is that you are able to see things the way God sees things. You are able to judge a matter the way God will judge a matter. You are able to estimate a thing the way God will estimate it. You are able to see that a job that would take you away from God, that would make you to compromise your faith, that would cause you to stay away from your family and not have time to fellowship with God, not have time to even um, fulfill the purpose that God has revealed in your heart. No matter how well-paying that job is, you are able to discern that this is not the right job for you. And the re reason why you can do that is because you are mature. But the only way you'll be mature is if you are able to practice and, and that's what the bible says through use all right or um the bible says let, let me read it again it says those who by you by reason of use or by reason of practice have been able to exercise their senses so the only way you will be able to perfect your or sharpen your discernment sharpen your senses to discern things that means to see things the way god wants to see them the only way that would be possible is if you you practice it if you exercise yourself in that direction Okay, so first of all, discernment means to estimate things from God's perspective, to see things the way God sees things, to see a situation and then you interpret it the way God, God is interpreting it. That someone, mis, um, you know, maltreats you or, you know, or, um, gets you offended and, you know, makes you annoyed and you have the capacity to really deal with the person, but you look at the situation from God's perspective and instead of you responding in revenge, you extend grace to that person and you are able to see through the person's agitations that this person actually needs help, that they are actually going through trauma. And when you look at it from God's perspective, the, the your discernment instructs you to start praying for the person rather than revenging or defending yourself and going public and say, you know, I helped this person in their point of need. I gave them this money. Look at the way they treated me. I will expose the person. You don't do all of that. You look at things from God's perspective and says no, and you say no. This person is acting this way because they don't know better, and you begin to pray for for that person. That is discernment. You seeing things from God's perspective. You analyzing or estimating situations from God's perspective. Okay, that is discernment. However, your discernment can only be sharpened, or your senses can only be sharpened when you exercise them, when you put them to practice, when you exercise your senses, okay? And this is the second part I want us to, to, to move into, that nobody exercises their senses just by, by will. You know, if you ask anybody who goes to the gym, they'll tell you that if there was another way of staying fit, 
Aside going to the gym, they'll probably probably will take you know take that option. If you could just even go, go to and do a surgery and automatically they'll 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 impact you with stronger muscles, impact you with biceps, impact you with um you know body shape and everything, then people will likely go for that option. In fact, people will likely spend more money for a, a 30 minutes or one hour you know, medical procedure that will give them what they want in their body rather than going to gym, you know, day in and day out, just because it is, it requires commitment and it is tough. And it's the same way also spiritually that left to us, we will not want to exercise our senses because the way God, the way our senses are exercised is not through pleasant experiences, okay? Let, let, let me read something here for us. Um, Just referencing something we read last week from first. Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12, where um, Paul says, when I was a child in 11 and 12, he says, when I was a child, I, I spoke like a child, I saw like a child, I reasoned like a child, okay? So when we, when we are, you know, baby believers or, or what's the word, immature believers, yes, we reason like 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 children, you know, spiritually speaking now, we see things like children, we, we interpret things like children, and what God wants to do he is he wants to purge us of such childish interpretations, of such childish reasonings. And when I say childish, I mean, I mean with reference to spiritual maturity. Because on the physical, it may look mature, it may look logical, it may look like, oh, this is, it makes sense to think this way. But when you put it side by side, God's method of thinking or God's perspective, you now see that you are still reasoning on a lower pedestal than what God desires us to operate on. So God wants to purge us of this childishness, or he wants to purge us of, purge us of this um, way of thinking, of this you know, uh, immature way of estimating and interpreting things. But for him to do that, he knows that if he leaves it to us, we will always just want to be in our comfort zone. We always want to remain the way we are. We won't want to exert ourselves um, to begin to think like him. So what does God do, okay? How does God train our, our senses? How does God subject us to a process of training so that we become mature? Just before I proceed, I want to just, just something that will interest us um, to mention here is that when you look at the word in Greek, right? When you look at the word that says um, exercise, when it says, by reason of use, they have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. The word translated, uh, the word translated in Greek um, for exercise, it's it's talking about the process an athlete goes through to train and to develop themselves. In fact, what it says is, or what it references is, an athlete who goes naked to train himself. So you can imagine the extent of discipline and um, rigor that this athlete goes, goes through. Now, that's what the Bible has in mind when it says you exercise yourself, meaning against all, all costs or against all odds, right? You wake up in the morning, whether the, whether the weather is conducive or not, you, you do your exercise, all right? Um, regardless, you put yourself through that um, system of training so that you can come out as a better athlete on the other end. Now, it's the same way the Bible is saying that you have to, our senses have to go through such rigorous exercise. But like I said, left to us, we would not want to exercise ourselves that way just because of the sheer um, discomfort that it brings to us. So this is what God does. He takes us through a process to exercise our senses, okay? Remember the goal, and I, I don't forget this all through tonight's teaching. The goal is for your, for your discernment to be better because that is one of the measures of spiritual maturity that you are able to, <clears throat> you are able to discern things accurately, meaning you are able to interpret things the same way God would have interpreted it. You are able to see things the same way God would see things. For instance, <clears throat> um, um, the water finished, sorry, the wine finished at the wedding in Cana. And when Jesus Christ was told about, informed about it, he didn't start crying and says, oh, oh my God, what are we going to do? He didn't start panicking. He saw the situation the, the, the same way God saw it and he knew that miracle can come out of this. He was teaching in, in the wilderness for three days and people were with him for these three days and they had not eaten. And Jesus Christ said, we must feed these people. If not, they will die on their way back. And Jesus Christ didn't start panicking. He interpreted the situation 
the same way God interpreted it. Meanwhile, the disciples said, where are we going to get food? <clears throat> Excuse me. Even if we have a, a thousand, a, a year's worth of wages, sorry, it won't still be enough to feed everybody. That was the way they were interpreting that situation as an impossible situation. But because Jesus had the right discernment, he saw the situation from God's perspective and he knew what to do. And that's the goal. That's where God wants to get us to. So a place of spiritual maturity where we interpret situations from his own perspective. But for us to do so, for our senses to be that sharp, he has to take us through a process. So how does God <clears throat> sharpen our senses? He takes us through certain experiences in life that would sharpen us. You know, when a, have you ever seen when a when knife is being sharpened? When knife is being sharpened, it is being rubbed. It's it's being rubbed or scraped against a a rough edge. So if you at that point the knife doesn't feel good when it's being sharpened because it's such a it's such a painful process. It's in fact sometimes some of the um the Parts of the knife have to be scraped away so that it is sharper, so that the blade is sharper. But if the knife can go through that sharpening process, it comes out sharper than it was before. And it's the same thing too with our senses, that God takes us through some, God allows us to go through some rough experiences um, so that we can come out sharper. We can come out more, more beneficial to his kingdom with higher levels of accuracy than we were before. Okay, but now somebody is telling me, uh, Victor, are you saying that God, God, I don't believe you. God is a God of love. He will never allow me, you know, to be hurt. The God I serve, he loves me so much. He gives, he butters my bread. He sugars my tea. He puts honey in my cornflakes. He puts granite in my gari. He spices my food. I understand. Yes, I believe you. But I'm telling you, and I will show you from scripture, that God would intentionally allow you go through tough situations so that you can be sharper on the other end, all right? So let's turn our Bibles to Romans chapter 5, verse 1 to 5, just so that I can explain this <clears throat> to us. Romans chapter 5, verse 1 to 5. All right, let's turn there. Romans, um, Romans chapter 5, the book of Romans chapter 5 verse 1 to 5 let me show us from scripture okay that god this is god's you know disposition he says um let me change this translation to the new king james all right it says therefore from verse 1 now therefore having been justified by faith we have peace with god through our lord jesus christ through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand so through Jesus Christ, we have access by faith into this grace, okay? Then he goes on to say, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Meaning, when you think about the glory of God that will be revealed in our lives, and even ultimately when we meet Jesus Christ, when you think of that hope, you really rejoice, you're excited. And it should, it should be something that makes you excited as a believer. When you think of the things that God has prepared for you in this life and in the life to come, it should really get you excited. When you think about the promises of God and his assurance for you, it should excite you beyond <clears throat> whatever present challenges you may be facing. And that's fantastic. But look at what he says in verse three. That uh, first of all, verse two establishes, establishes that we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. But look at verse three, it says, and not only that, that means not only do we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, but we also glory in tribulations. Interesting. So not only do we rejoice at the hope that of God's glory and all that he has for us, but even in tri tribulations, we're excited about tribulations. I mean, what kind of a, a person is this that gets excited when tribulations come, when persecutions and trials come? Who, who is this man or person that gets excited? But that's what the Bible says, that not only do we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God? Not only are we excited when we think of the promises of God, God has promised you a massive business. And when you think about this promise, you're excited. Yes, you should be, be excited. But I'm saying what the Bible is saying, not just even me, what the Bible is saying now is, even when you go through tribulations, before that promise will come, you are going through tribulations. God has promised you a massive business. But for now, you are looking for house rent. You are looking for money to pay school fees. You are looking for uh, money to, to eat, to buy clothes, to transport yourself. 
God and those are tribulations. God is saying, as you are going through these tribulations, you are you ought to be rejoicing. You ought to be excited as you are going through through this tribulation. And this does not make any logical sense. Okay, but look at the reason why the Bible says, not only that, but we glory in in tribulation. These tribulations. Uh, this is Romans chapter five, verse three. Now. And why do we glory in tribulations? He says, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. So why will somebody be excited when they are going through tough times, when they are going through seasons of frictions or wilderness seasons or seasons of um, contractions where there's pain on their inside? Why will somebody be excited by that or in such a season? The Bible says that it is because such seasons produce perseverance. And like I said, some things will never develop in us if everything is rosy. You, it will, we will never develop, uh, develop spiritually if all things are rosy. So it says we, we rejoice, you know, through um, tribulation because tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance produces character. The word perseverance is the same thing as patience. So when we go through tribulations, what it produces in us, it produces patience in us. It produces the strength and ability to, to suffer long. You know, the Bible talks about long suffering as a fruit of the spirit. That's long suffering. You develop it through um, tribulations. And I'm telling you that there's no other way you develop this. No, no other way. And there's anybody in these in scriptures, you know, that walked in faith, whether in scriptures or even in, in contemporary times, okay, you see that they, they had their experiences of patience and tribulation. They had such experiences, okay? And that's what the Bible is saying, that when you go through tough periods or tough seasons, you ought to rejoice. Seasons of pressure in some form, seasons of discomfort. He says the same way you rejoice when you remember the promise of God, the promise of that big house, the promise of that car, the promise of that husband or wife or that job. When The same way you are excited when you remember it is the same way you should be excited now when you go through tough seasons, okay? Um, of the difficult things happen. You lose a job, you lose a relationship, you know, you lose, you, you applied for contracts, you didn't get it. Um, on the uncomfortable situations, the same way you can rejoice at the hope of God's promise is the same way God is saying rejoice in such tribulations. The reason is because such tribulations produce perseverance in us. And that word perseverance, like I said, means patience as well. And perseverance, the Bible says, produces character. Wow, this is interesting. So what God actually wants to produce in you through such difficult seasons is character. That he, the difficult seasons will give birth to perseverance and that's patience, but the patience will also produce character in your, in your heart. And then character gives birth to hope. And verse five says, now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been shared abroad in our hearts, as important to our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So when you go through such tough times, what God wants to do is that he wants to ultimately produce character in you. And you know what? Many times we believe we are, we, our character is perfect. We, we, are, we, are, we are 10 over 10, okay? You are a quiet person. You are humble. You don't, you don't disturb. Every, you, just, you know by your assessment that I'm good, I'm fine. Well, there's only one way we would know this, and that is when you go through tough seasons, seasons of disappointment, seasons of delay, seasons of frustration, where you just can't understand what is going on. It is in such moments or such seasons that character is developed in you. First of all, it will become obvious to you the areas that you still need to work on. And it is in that season that if you submit to God, he will begin to work on you and train you and prune you and make you a final vessel. So the way God makes our, sharpens our, our discernment, and we're going to see this, you know, I just, I really hope we can finish it today. If not, we'll finish next week. But at the end of this, you will see how it happens with a perfect example. But God allows us to, you know, go through tough, tough situations. And this is a part that many believers are, um, are, are not, you know, very open to welcome. Because, like I said, some, some believers just believe or expect that because they are working with Jesus, everything should be perfect. And let me tell you this, when God wants to mature you, he will let you go through stuff. You know, before I used to wonder why, when believers just give their lives to Christ, it's 
And so like anything they pray about, God just answers them immediately. And I'm like, but this, me have been a, I've been at least, I just even by um, chronological measurement, I've been a believer longer, all right? So I don't understand the, what is, is God impartial? But it was later I, I, I came to understand God's um, approach that when people just give their life to Christ, they are still babies, they are still children. And children want a, typically want a reaffirmation of, of their parents' love towards them. And for children, once you get them gifts, you know, you play with them, oh, they just, they know that you love them. But as a child begins to grow, the parent wants that child to mature and to become sort of independent enough to represent the parent, independent enough to handle situations even when the parent isn't physically there. And they know that if they are always giving the child whatever they ask for, the child will never grow to understand the ways of the parent. And so they let the child go through, you know, situations that will strengthen them. Okay, and let me tell you guys a funny story. Um, when I was growing up, when I was like much, much younger, I used to be very, very, very timid. I, and just, just now as I was speaking, I, I just remembered it. But I used to be very timid, you know. Um, and let me tell you how bad it was. If you come and tell me, for instance, let's assume a glass, a, a, a mug broke in the house, or let's say even in school, wherever. And then let's say in school, the, a mug broke in school. And the teacher just comes and says, Victor, are you the one that broke this mug? Now, the teacher is not saying I'm the one that broke it. He's just asking a question. Instead of me to defend myself and say, no, I did not break the mug. I was outside playing when the mug broke. Instead of me to defend myself, I'll just start crying. I mean, like, why? I'll just start crying. That's how timid I was, right? Um, I can't forget this. Like, even in back in, you know, I was still in primary school then. Um, our church had like, this, what we call Sunday school for, for teenagers, for children, sorry. Essentially, children's church. and. I couldn't even look into the eyes of my fellow child beside me. I remember there was a day um, um, our teacher asked us to hold the hands of um, the person beside us and look into her eyes and maybe sing a song or something. It was a lady and I couldn't look, and this was just a child. I couldn't look into her eyes because I was shy. My teacher was holding me at some point. I couldn't even look into my teacher's eyes. I was that timid. So my mom knew that this was going to be a problem, especially for a, a, a guy. So guess my mom's very brilliant plan. My mom decided, my mom and my dad, you know, decided to send me to a military school, a proper military school. And I don't want to bore you with stories of the school, but it was a proper military school where, where we wore military uniform, had military trainings. They taught us to shoot guns, you know, like military people. We went on, we had proper military experience um, because she wanted to rid me of that timidity. Ultimately, it worked, even though it wasn't a funny experience, especially for the first year. I cried every single Sunday of that first year. I cried because my parents would come to visit me, and I'll cry and tell them I want to go home. I want to go home. I'm so grateful they didn't listen, but at that point, you know, I was not happy with them. But yeah, so that is just in a, a, a parent, right? A, a human parent. Now, who knows that a child has to grow up, so they have to allow the child or expose the child to tough situations of life so that the child can mature. And I'm saying to you all that God also operates like that, that, you know, when someone gives their life to Christ, initially it was almost like anything they want, they get, you know, but as they begin to grow, they begin to see that ah, they prayed for something, it did not come. And they're now beginning to ask God why. So you see, that's, that question now draws them to a place of prayer where they seek the face of God. They begin to understand the ways of God and understand how God operates and they learn from God through such situations. And that's the same thing too, that God is saying, he wants to sharpen our senses so that we can see things the way he sees, understand things the way he understands, you know, give an accurate judgment of things. The same way he will give an accurate judgment of those things. He wants us to be like that. But if he leaves us to just be playing around, we'll never grow. So he allows us to go through tough situations. All right. And let me tell you, just in case you are thinking it is, you are going through a tough season because God is trying to punish you. No, it is not because of that. Of course, there are seasons that people, tough seasons that people are going to because of their disobedience. But I am telling you that even if you are obedient to God every single time, you will still face tough situations, not because God hates you, but because God wants to strengthen you. And how do I know this? Because the Bible says in Matthew chapter 4, that Jesus Christ was led into the wilderness by the Spirit. 
Jesus Christ was led by the Spirit. The Spirit did not lead Jesus Christ to the bakery. He did not lead Jesus Christ to the fountain. He didn't lead Jesus Christ to Jordan. He led Jesus Christ to the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Okay, it's not even if, listen, the reason why the Spirit led Jesus Christ to the wilderness was to be tempted of the devil. Think about this, that God led Jesus Christ so that you'll be tempted. Imagine that. And because Jesus Christ understood the, you know, the laws of the spirits, he added fasting and prayer to it because he knew that without fasting and prayer, you can't stand the temptation of the devil. So it's not every time that, they, that the spirit leads you beside still waters. Sometimes the spirit leads you to wilderness, not because God wants to punish you and not because of anything wrong you've done, but because he wants to strengthen you. And if you read the end, um, the further scriptures down, you see that after that experience, Jesus Christ returned in the power of the spirit. So there will never be a returning in the power of the spirit if there was not a leading into the wilderness by the spirit. So I'm telling you that even if you are following God and you are enjoying God, you are doing everything right, you will still end up in wilderness, not because God is angry with you, but because God needs to sharpen you. God needs to make you a better version of yourself. Okay. So God, this is God's method of sharpening us. Um, I think I can move on from this now. Um, <clears throat> hmm. Okay. Uh, let, let, let's move on. Let's move on. Um, James chapter one, verse two to four. I'm trying to see if I can cover stuff before our time goes up. All right. James chapter, James chapter one, verse two to verse four. All right. Let me, let me show you something. This is pretty much saying the same, the same thing we read in, um, in Romans. Okay. But I want to show you, I just want to point out by way of emphasis, James chapter one, verse two to verse four. It says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. The same thing I was saying earlier that, the, you know, Apostle Paul said in the book of Romans, who counts its joy in when they are faced with tribulation? Who is excited when they are faced with um, tough seasons? It is only the person that has spiritual understanding of what tough seasons are meant to achieve in our lives. It is only that person that will be excited when they go through a difficult season. It is only that person, even though it may be difficult in their flesh, but because of spiritual understanding, they are excited because they know the outcome of it. Remember where we read in Romans um, chapter five, verse five in particular says, hope does not make a shame because the love of God is poured at. Meaning the reason why you'll be excited when you're going through tough seasons is because you know that at the end of those, that period or that season, you'll be mature and you'll develop. And the reason why you are confident about this is because God has poured his love into your heart. So you are confident beyond any reasonable, any doubt, whether reasonable or unreasonable, you are confident beyond any doubt that God loves you. It is on the strength of this confidence that you can be excited when you go through tough seasons, when you go through seasons of waiting, seasons of pressure, tough seasons, it is on the strength of this um, knowledge of God's love that you'll be excited. So that's what James was saying in James chapter one, verse two, that count it all joy when you go through, when you fall into diverse temptations. Verse three says, knowing this, that the trying of your faith works patience. So the mentality you should have is that every time my faith is tried, every time I go through tough seasons, God is working patience in me. And let me tell you, Without patience, your Christian experience will be incomplete because the Bible says in um, Hebrews chapter, uh, where is this now? Hebrews chapter six, verse four, the Bible says we should imitate those who through faith and patience obtain the prize. Many people want to just imitate those, you know, only faith alone or what we know faith to be. But the Bible says, no, it is those who through faith and patience have obtained the prize. So there are two sides of, of the same coin and you must be filled with both as a believer, not just filled with faith in terms of I speak things and they come to be, you know, um, immediately. But I'm saying even with patience, because there are two sides of the same coin. You see, what we are used to or what we celebrate a lot of times as believers is demonstrations of faith that are instant. But what we fail to understand is that there are other demonstrations of faith that are not instant. That somebody who is waiting for a child for 25 years, that person is still working in faith. And the person that who got, you know, who received their child in the first year of their marriage is also working in faith. Okay. Because if, if you don't understand that there's patience, 
mingled with faith, you begin to look at believers as, you know, as, as faithless people. If, if for instance, and, and this is, let, let me give us the example. If, for instance, you've never failed an exam, every exam you wrote, you passed it. Every exam from your primary school till date, you pass every exam. If a, a believer comes to tell you and say, ah, I failed this exam twice, and this is my third time, I'm about to take this exam. And they're saying, join me in faith, pray for me. You know, just pray that God will help me. You look at the believer and say, you failed the exam twice, and you call yourself a believer. Wow. You fail the exam that even unbelievers are not failing. You begin to look at the, at the believer as a faithless person. But that's because you've never failed an exam. So you don't have patience in you with regards to exam, okay? And if God is going to help you, what you do is that the next exam you write, he will allow you to fail it. In fact, he will allow you to fail it in a public way, such that you've probably announced to your friends and given a date to celebrate your, your let's assume it's a, an accounting exam, your CFA, for instance, or, or ACCA. You've assuming ACCA, you're supposed to write it on the, on the 15th. You already set a celebratory party on the 20th because you know your exam will be out the next day and you, you are so sure of yourself, you pass. You've already you know, assigned a celebration party for it. God will now allow you, he'll allow you to organize the party. He'll allow you to call your friends, everything. But he'll allow you to fail that exam so that he will work patience in you. And by the time you fail it, the next time somebody comes and says, ah, I failed this exam twice. I'm, I'm preparing for it the third time. You say, ah, you, you, it is with patience and empathy you relate with that person, okay? And that's one of the things God wants to, to work in us because um, the testing of our faith produces patience and many believers are not patient. They are proud, especially in areas where they have never experienced um, such things before. If you've never been broke before and, it be, and someone comes to share testimony of, of how God just, you know, used somebody to give them 5,000 naira, you look at the person and say, ah, 5,000 naira, that's your testimony. You would undermine the value of that person's experience because you, you can't relate. You've never been broke. Your own testimonies are in millions of naira. Okay, your own testimony is that, oh, I, I went, you know, or I flew a private jet to this place, or I, I flew first class to this island, and someone gifted me a car. That's your own testimony. You may never understand and appreciate the person's testimony of 5,000 naira. So if God wants to purge you of such impatience in finances. He will allow you to go through a season that is difficult. And after that season, you become patient with people. Somebody come and tell you that God gave you, uh, you know, someone gave me 5,000 naira. You will rejoice with that person. You will do one hour Thanksgiving because you now understand what it means to be in the person's shoes. And we have to be mature. Let me, let me show you something. Um, the way this scripture, I, I think there's something I don't want to skip here. Okay, yes. Um, look at, this same James chapter one, right? Look at verse four. I want to read it in the Amplified Bible. James chapter one, verse four. James, yes, the book of James chapter, chapter one, verse five. I want to read it in the Amplified Bible and just point something out to us. <clears throat> um, amplified version. Look at what it says right here. Okay. It says, but let endurance and steadfastness Sorry, but let endurance and steadfastness and patience have full play and do a thorough work so that you may be people perfectly and fully developed with no defects, lacking in nothing. So what God wants uh, is, is you lacking in nothing. That, what I read was the Amplified Classic. Let me read the Amplified Version. It says, and let endurance have its perfect result and do a thorough work so that you may be perfect and completely developed in your faith. That's, that's the phrase I'm going for. Completely developed in your faith, lacking nothing. There are a lot of believers that are not completely developed in their faith. What this means is that they understand faith to mean spontaneous response from the realm of the spirit. I, I prayed for this. I prayed for something and the next day I got it. That's, they, they understand faith to be that. You know, I was looking for a job and in one week I got three offers. Woo, that's a testimony of faith. But when somebody comes and says, oh, I've been up, I was looking for a job for three years and then I finally got it. They look at the person and see they are faithless. That why would you wait three years to get a job? That means you didn't apply the principles of faith. You didn't deploy your faith to get answers. What they don't understand is that 
there, there is patience in faith. And that's what the Bible says. God wants our faith to be fully developed. All right. And part of the development of our, our faith is acknowledging the place of patience. You know, if you look at, um, at Elijah, the story of Elijah, for instance, uh, there was time where the, the, the king sent, you know, a, a, a group of people to demand Elijah to come down from a mountain. And Elijah called fire on them. The first badge were consumed by fire. The second badge consumed by fire. You know, and it was the third person that came and used wisdom to, to uh, um, uh, plead with Elijah. If you had looked at, if you were there in that moment, it would be easy for you to say Elijah is a man of faith. He just called down fire and fire came immediately. Also in the experience with um, 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 the prophets of, of Baal, he just called down fire and fire came immediately. That's, that's powerful, right? But if you now go further down some chapters later, you now see that a time came when Elijah was praying for rain to come and he prayed the first time, nothing. Prayed the second time, nothing up until the seventh time. If your estimation of faith is only spontaneous, you look at Elijah praying and say, ah, Elijah, it's like the way I'm looking at you, you begin to be weak in faith. Because if I, what I, the first time you prayed, fire came down immediately. Now, why do you have to pray seven times before a small cloud, a very tiny cloud appeared? You know, that's what we would naturally be estimating as, as faith, um, as lack of faith. But that is not lack of faith. So what God wants to do in us is to take us through situations. And I'm telling you, you cannot escape it. Mark my words. You cannot escape it. God will take you through situations that would make you more patient. He'll take you through situations that will humble you. They, 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 the, the blessing for you is if you go through those situations early enough. Okay. And I'm going to, maybe I'll co conclude, you know, with something here on that note, but you, God will take you through situations. Uh, but God's purpose, like I said, is not to break us, is not to destroy us, is not to punish us or anything like that. No, is to develop character in us, is to purge us of spiritual immaturity. And even in instances where we are in such difficult situations because of our disobedience, God will still use that situation to purge us of, of folly, to purge us of spiritual immaturity so that we can be mature and we can develop as, 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 as believers fully developed in our faith so that we can understand the full spectrum of faith, that faith is not only when things happened instantly, but also when things took time to happen, that it is still faith. The fact that someone can be trusting God for the same thing for 25 years, that is, what, that is faith as well. And the fact that somebody can believe God for something and it happened immediately or, or almost immediately, it is faith as well. So we can appreciate the two um. Um, two sides of the same coin of faith. Hallelujah. Okay. Um, and let's, let's go back to our scriptures. James chapter one. James chapter one. Um, let me start reading from verse two again. Um, but my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Then he says, but let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. I want to just zoom in and I'll probably, you know, wrap up on this note. Yeah, the Bible says, but let patience have its perfect work. That sounds like an instruction that is within our capacity to, uh, to permit or to deny. He says, let patience have its perfect work. That means it is possible for you to not let patience have its perfect work. So somebody is going through a, a particular season you know, um, let, let me use job application as an example. They, are, they don't have a job. They're applying for a job, applying for a job. You know, there's pressure finances. They're barely just living every day, you know, day by day. There's no money in their savings and they're just living literally on the, you know, what people say, I'm just living by the mercy of God, you know, day after day. And they're applying for jobs and nothing is forthcoming yet. And they have done all that they know to do. They've prayed, they've fasted, they've sown seeds, they have, they have made, you know, freshen up their CV, put all their portfolio and everything together. But there's no job coming yet. What you, you should begin to descend that this might be a season, you know, because one of the ways you know you are in a particular season is that the, your, your fiscal efforts can't change the experience at that particular moment, it is one of the indicators that you may just be in a, in a certain season, okay? Whether it's a favorable, favorable season, rather, or not, 
all right? But when, once you see that you've done all that you need to do, but your actions can't seem yet to change your experience, then it might just be a, a symptom of the weights of a season manifesting in your life, okay? So this person has done all that they knew to do and nothing has changed. Now, what the Bible is saying is that at that point, the, that person's faith is being tested. And the testing of your, of your faith produces patience. So God begins to work patience in your, in your life. And in fact, if you read what we read in, um, in Romans, it says, um, and, and patience produces character. All right, or the or perseverance rather produces character. So what James calls patience is what Romans calls character. And what this means is that when you go through a testing season, what God is doing in your life is that He's producing character. What what this means is that you might in that season God will not expose to you that uh -uh, the way you talk to people is not good though. The way you just you, you are so short-tempered, anything that is that doesn't favor you just flare out easily, and God begins to work character on you because the reason is because at that point you can't change any situation, and you know God is a very powerful, awesome God. He puts you in a situation that you cannot change, so that you'll be forced to take a look at the things that He wants you to look at. If you were not, if you could change that situation, you hurriedly get out of it and you ignore the things that he's spotlighting in your life. So he keeps you in that situation so that you begin to take note of the things he wants you to change. The way you talk to people, the way you treat people, the, your, your anger, you need to control it. Um, the way you are too naive, you believe anything anybody says, you can't even, you don't have a mind of yourself. And all of those things, God lifts you in that situation so that he can work character in you. And I'm telling you the truth. If you are descending to understand the workings of God, you just submit yourself to that season and say, God, anything you are working in me, I release myself to you. And you begin to make those changes. And the quicker you make those changes, the quicker you get out of that season. So the working, the testing of your faith produces patience, produces character. Now, what the Bible is saying here in, in James chapter four is, let patience have its perfect work. What this means is that there are people that can abort the process that God is taking them through because they are not patient to, to the end or they're not willing to wait to the end of that season or they're not willing to make the changes that God is demanding them to make in their character. So for instance, this person is applying for a job, applying for a job, nothing seems to be coming forth. Rather than for them to focus on the things that God wants to change in their lives, they begin to look for shortcuts, meaning they go and look for maybe a friend or a, a, somebody, you know, an uncle, and says, I want this job by all means. And they put pressure on that uncle. And the uncle, out of pressure, just gives you the job. You, you know that it is not God that opened that door. It was you that broke that door open. You know it in your heart. But because you are trying to escape that season, you go for it. And you never get God's best that way. Or somebody goes to, you know, begins to, in an attempt to get out of that financial pressure, begins to engage in dubious things or things that are not consistent with the virtues of Christ and the things of, uh, and, and integrity of God, they engage in such things because they want to get out of such situations. Those kind of people are not allowing patience have its perfect work. And I'm telling you this, that if you're going to be mature, you should allow patience have its perfect work. Sometimes God will bring somebody in your life that will just be annoying you. And God, what God, you cannot, in, 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 see, maybe the person is a colleague, right? A coworker. You got a job and then there's a particular person in your team that is just annoying you. And sometimes you just want to resign and leave. Yes, that may be a, a quick solution to your problem, but you would have aborted the process of patience. Or maybe you're in a relationship and then there's, yeah, yeah, there's a particular thing this person is hammering in that relationship and you are, you are just saying, why is this person picking on me? I, this is the way I am. This is the way I do things. I, this, this is, I'm, I, this, that's the way I am. I just do things like this. And you don't want to make the changes. A, a shortcut will be to end the relationship, but you'd have missed the person that God sent to your life. Okay? So I'm telling you this evening to investigate your life and see the areas of, of pressure. You know, when there's a particular thing that is pricking at you, it might be that God wants you to make an adjustment in your character. Yes, you might, you can decide to, to leave that situation or, or separate yourself from that thing, depending on what is easier to do. 
but that may not be what God wants you to achieve in that situation. God might be saying that there's a part of your character and you might be saying, but I'm okay. I, I, I don't know anything. Go to God and ask God to show you what he wants you to correct. That is the way you, you would grow. And then God will show you that, you see, yes, you are great, but there's this particular way you think, there's this particular way you talk, there's this particular way you act that I want to adjust. And if you can make that adjustment, you'll become a final version of yourself in Christ. Okay? So let patience finish its perfect work so that you can be complete and lacking nothing. God wants you to be a holistic believer, but you can't be that holistic believer if you don't go through these you know, seasons and through these experiences of maturity. All right? Okay. Um, let me see. I think I've covered that. Um, there's still more, but we would leave this for next week. So I'll just stop at this point. So what we'll do next week, we'll have a perfect example in Joseph, all right? That I, I thought we'll be able to explore today, but um, we wouldn't be able to, you know, complete that. And I don't want to just gloss over it so we don't miss out on the on the real juice, you know, in the story. So we're going to do that next week. We'll continue this next week. But just the, the core thought for today is that God wants, the Bible says from, and let, let this be our, our recap, all right, that Hebrews chapter five, the, those who are mature, those who have, who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So discernment is one of the measures of maturity. And I, I said again, let me just say here that you know where in scripture will you see that God measures spiritual maturity by a demonstration of gifts? No. You see that God measures spirituality by manifestation of the fruit of his spirit, by manifestation of discernment and accuracy and alignment before him, but not by, um, you know, manifestation of gifts. So what Bible, one of the um, um, highlights from here is that God is saying the mature people are those who have their senses um, exercised to discern both good and evil. And we said discernment here means the ability to see things from God's perspective, to interpret things from God's perspective, that is discernment. Um, and God wants to sharpen our senses so that we can discern well. How does God sharpen our senses? By taking us through periods of what the Bible calls tribulations or the testings of our faith, all right? And what does that season does is it works in us patient and, and patience should finish its work so that we can be perfect and lacking nothing, all right? So we're going to continue this next week and I will want to show you how, a, a, through a practical example in scriptures, how God can fine tune our discernment so that we can see things the way he sees things. So that the next day somebody comes to offend you, normally you would have just lashed at the person and given them fire for fire, giving them one bombastic side eye, let them know that you're not their level. That's what you'd have done before. But after God works on you, somebody offends you and you tell them, God bless you. And you're not trying to fake it. It is really coming from your soul. All right, that is what happens when your character has been worked on. Okay, so let's end here. Um, we'll just pause here and take any questions that we may have, um, take any questions, you know, we may have and, um, or, you know, feedback on today's, today's study. All right. So yeah, this is the point where you ask your questions. I would love to hear from you. If you do have any question, please type it in the chat or you can unmute your mic and speak if you are on Zoom. I would love to hear your questions. All right, I would love to hear questions. Um, also, while our questions are coming in, um, tell me what was something that you learned today that you are going back with? What is something that you learned today that you are going back with? Uh, maybe something God highlighted in your spirit, uh, something that was an emphasis for you, or maybe just even a reminder. Tell me what that thing was, all right, um, before we close. So you can do that as well as drop your questions right in the chat or on mute, like I said, if you're on, my, if you're on Zoom, sorry. Okay, all right, all right. So I'm looking forward to our questions. Anybody on Zoom, Lily, Emily, um, on Mixeller, let me see if I can, if I can um, see our names. Um, I, where is that, please? Okay, I, I'm not sure I can see our names now. But yes, anyone on Zoom, Please, on Mixella, right? You have a question, please 
drop your questions or your what you learned today. Okay, I can see Cecil, I can see Idara, I can see Joy. Please drop your learning points or your questions in the comments. Uh, let me know what you've learned today. All right. All right, all right, all right. Drop that. Okay, so while that is going on, um, if you have not joined our community, please do so. Join our community, um, our WhatsApp group right here. Um, the chat is right here, sorry. The link is right here in the chat. So please, if you haven't joined our, um, our WhatsApp group, I encourage you to do so. I'm going to drop the link right for us in Zoom. Um, right for us in Zoom. Yes, if you haven't joined. Okay, I think everyone here has. All right. Okay, okay, okay. Yes, I'm waiting for, looking forward to our comments. What have we learned today? Please let us know what you have learned today as we close, okay? All right, so while that's coming, I think we can say a word of prayer at this point. And I want you to just say a word of prayer quickly in your, in your own words. And the prayer is this, Lord, help me not to abort the process of development that you are taking me through. Let that be your prayer in the next one minute. Father, help me not to abort the process of development that you are taking me through. I see that you are you are strengthening me. You are sharpening my, my character. You are making me more mature as a believer. Help me not to abort this process that you are taking me through in the name of Jesus Christ. Let us pray in just a few minutes right now. Lord, help me. This season that you're taking me through, this process, the things you, the, you are you're prompting me to change, help me not to to abort the process help me not to um not to just abscond because of the pressure help me to make the right changes in my character right changes in my understanding according to what you want me to 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 do yes the other person in this equation or the other people may have their own flaws and their own faults but help me not to be blind to the things that you want me to also change in my own um life and in my own character in the name of Jesus Christ Thank you, Father, for in Jesus' name we have prayed. And Father, we receive grace from you today to submit ourselves to the process of, of testing and the process of the season that you have placed us in so that we will not abort the process um, of development that you are working on the inside of us. Help us to allow patience have its perfect work so that we will be complete and lacking nothing in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, dear Lord. To you be all the glory and all the praise. For in Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. All right. Thank you for joining in. Please do not um, forget to drop your comments, your learning points, or your questions um, before you drop off. Thank you, Joy. I see your comments. You say um, what you learned today is while be while being mature enough to forgive an offender, can I still go? Okay, it's a question. Can I still go ahead and involve the law? Like get the police to arrest someone who stole from me? Very interesting question. Let me read that again. It says, while being mature enough to forgive an offender, can I still go ahead and involve the law? Like getting the police to arrest someone who stole from me? The simple answer to your question is yes, because um, in many instances, you want to you want to recover what was stolen. I mean, if someone stole from you, you want to recover it back, and you can't do recover things back by taking the law into your own hands, into your own hands. If not, you would become a criminal. You know, in that case, and if the person is not obliging, all right. If there's an opportunity to have a dialogue, and the person is not even responding to it, then yes, you would, you have to involve the law. All right, even though you are not holding it against the person, but you need to recover what was stolen from you, then yes, you, you have to involve the law. All right. Uh, so yes, and this question usually is a tricky one um, because it's best answered on a case-by-case -case basis, all right? Um, for you know, for the reason of God to be properly appropriated. But just you know, high level, the answer is yes. You can still involve the law even though someone you're forgiving someone, all right. And just even another practical instance is let's assume you rent an apartment to someone, for instance, and the person has really, really messed the place up and destroyed the place, and you've spoken to the, to the person to stop, and the person is not listening. Um, and you've given the person maybe even a quit notice, 
and he says, you know what, I love you. Let's assume this person is even a believer, a Christian. You say, oh, I love you, right? Um, no problem. I'm, I'm forgiving you, but you can't stay in my apartment anymore. And this person refuses to go. You have to involve the law to get the person out, all right? So there are several instances where you might have to involve the law, even though you have forgiven um, the person. Okay, I hope that answers your question. And I also hope that helps, you know, um, every one of us on the call. Okay, let me know if that answers your question, Joy, on MixLR. All right. Thank you, everyone. If there are no more questions, I do not see any more questions. Um, I just wanted to say also that you can drop your questions or comments at any point in time in the WhatsApp, in our WhatsApp group. All right, a question may pop up tomorrow or maybe later in the night or sometime in the week and you may want to ask it. Please feel free to ask it in, the, um, in our WhatsApp group. And the link to the group has been posted again in the comment section for those of us that may not be in the group. All right, uh, Joy says yes, he answers our questions. Fantastic, thank you. Thank you everyone. We're gonna meet next week. I will continue this. I, I feel so excited at talking about this because I sense strongly again um, that God wants us to grow. So we are going to you know, grow into maturity as we explore some of these conversations. Thank you for joining in. Please do me a favor next week. Do not come alone. Speak to one person about borderless Christian community and our Bible study. If you've really been blessed, speak to someone about it. Don't come alone, all right? See, don't, don't think of 10 people. Just think of one person that today, Tuesday, you are going to speak to the person from today till next week and let them join. Just one person, all right? Um, of course, if you have more, that's fine. But I mean, just focus on one person and get them to join. You don't need to think far. Just think of a family member or a friend of yours or a colleague of yours. Speak to one person and let them join us next week. Okay, God bless you all. Do have a wonderful remaining part of the day and do enjoy the rest of the week. Um, God bless you all. Um, amen.